taking over your show. Suffer. All your show belongs to us. All your show belongs to us. Not taking over my show. Oh, we're recording. Oh, you are error. Bull schnuckies. So, this is now Radio Free Borderlands Part 2, suckers. No, it's not. Oh, yes, no. it is. Well, as you can tell... No, wait, then I gotta pay for it. No, it's totally your show. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, if you want to pay my podcast hosting... No, not man, especially. welcome to. No, not especially. Okay, well, as Pay you my can... own, thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> yes, you guys will be here for probably about another hour or so. Well, as you can probably tell from the uh, intro music there, uh, old school video games, or specifically old school role-playing games, are the topic today. And that was, of course, uh, some music from... Final Fantasy for the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. There's uh, some, like, like 50-year-old dude going, Ah, that's not old school. I'll tell you what old school is. We, we, we used to make up stories while playing Pong. <laughs> that's old school. And, of course, you know, there's someone out there, well, I remember playing Space Wars and Tennis for Two. Oh, on the accelerators? Or oscilloscopes or whatever. Yeah, yeah they, they, people don't realize first video games came out in the late 40s because there were people at the, at the Army, Army Air Corps who were bored, so they started programming stuff for their oscilloscopes. Yeah, and so I know there's some <laughs> argument about whether, because with Tennis for Two, you needed two people to play it, so mm-hmm. I guess there's some argument about whether that's truly the first game. I think Space Wars considered the first one in that it actually had a computer opponent that you played against as opposed to needing another player. Um, well, if you're going to go with like the first official, what we would call modern-day video game, you go to um, Computer Space. Okay. I think that was released in 71, 72. It was an arcade-style console. Um, it was the first arcade console game. Uh, and then, yeah, Pong. So, uh, we're going to be talking about old school, because all while... All three of us, I guess, we're pretty old school, considering we're reaching that magic age of 40. And, uh, of course, Steve and I did discuss old school games uh, many podcasts ago. Yeah, where uh, is Steve? He's in the Navy. You butthole, you're supposed to be on here with us. <laughs> Miss you, Steve. Yes, Steve. We but our aim will improve. <laughs> so, uh, today we're specifically going to be talking about old school uh, video role-playing games that we used to play when we were kids, and this was Dan's idea for this topic, so if this show really stinks, uh, it's, it's Dan's fault. fault. Yes. No, it's not. Send complaints to Dan at RadioFreeBorderlands.com. Go right ahead. There ain't no meal mailbox there, suckers. So let's start this discussion, and again, Steve and I have discussed this already, so I'll see what you know you guys think of this. How would you differentiate or draw that line between old school or new school with video games or video role-playing games. Man, that's hard now. It was so much easier five, six years ago. Like, if you would have asked me that then, I would have said, boom, PlayStation. When the PlayStation came out, that 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 was the end of the quote-unquote old-school, I, I, I prefer the term, classic era, if you will. You kind of do have to divide it into three sections now. It's kind of I almost I would almost go so far as to say yeah there are three sections there's the classic era which is everything before the PlayStation the new era which is PlayStation 2 Xbox and later and there is the PlayStation era which in all honesty that system deserves its own spot because of the plethora of surprisingly very good games it had I mean it really was the king so what about you, time. Dave? Where would you draw the line between... So, Dan, it seems like you think that the days of cartridge-based would be old school. Yeah, and but then... in the next couple of years, I would probably start throwing PlayStation 1 in there. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I, and I think I would divide it after PS1 and the Saturn. Mm-hmm. Because while those were disc-based systems, those games were fairly old. Um, they still had a lot of the old-school feel. To a lot of it. Yeah, I think the first one that didn't was Final Fantasy VII. That's yeah, just me. Because yeah. you still had like Le- you know Legend of Dragoon or Panzer Dragoon Saga, I should say. Lufia. Lufia. Um, Lunar. Lunar. Oh man. Oh man. You can't can't forget Lunar. Yeah, and because Steve and I again we talked a little bit about this and just kind of reiter- reiterate, uh, my personal opinion has been that it's really kind of hard to just to determine what's old school because what we consider old school is going to change as technology and as game 
uh, you know, game technology progresses and I, game design trends develop. Um, I have a feeling if you talk to somebody who right now is in their early 20s, they would consider anything P- PS2 and earlier. Um, you know, it, it really does go with age. You could probably get somebody in their mid-40s who's going to say, uh, old school ended at the end of the NES. You yeah. Know? And, and it, it is a matter of perspective. It really yeah, is. I yeah. agree. Because I mean, one of the... Oh, go ahead. You, I mean, some people say that the original Diablo is old school now. Yeah. Because... And, and that's pretty close. Cause it's one about of the, the same time frame. Because one of the things that I've always uh, viewed as the one of the differences between old school and new school, old school games are designed to be a standalone game because nowadays, you know, you got downloads content you've got online play you know back then back when we were first playing video games mm-hmm. you popped in your cartridge well maybe if it was an nes you had to take it out on blow one on it a couple times but anyways once you got your Huss cartridge in there yeah uh turned it on you were ready to go whereas of course now you have one of the big trends is um downloadable content where you buy the game but then hey here's some more missions you can buy or here's some new characters you can buy um but of course, it is possible for a game to have old school aspects. A good example: Have either of you played Final Fantasy IV: The After Years for the? No, but I want to go back to what you just said. Uh, purchasing additional downloadable content is akin to being at the strip joint and having the stripper say, "I'll take off my top for an extra twenty bucks." <laughs> oh, use yeah. Yeah. I just I think that's just gold, man. Because. Uh, the After Years, it, it has the old-school style graphics, the graphics, well, for the Wii version anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the PS, the PlayStation portable version is a little bit better, but, you know, for the most part, the graphics are designed to look like they were made in the 16-bit era. The music, again, sounds like it's from the 16-bit era. Mm-hmm. However, uh, the game does have a reliance on downloadable content, because you pay $5 to buy the first part which gives you about five hours of gameplay, and once you beat that part, then you can spend another $3 to get the uh, second part of the game, Um, which is... That's cold, man. I think that's just cold. Yeah, and then, well, once you get the second part, um, once you get the second part, uh, that $3 you have to spend, it does actually... take you quite far. It gives you a lot more. Mm-hmm. However, however, here's where Square really gets you with uh, the After Years. In order to get the full story, you have to download the individual stories for each of the characters. For example, there's um, Edge's tale. There is uh, a specific tale for Rydia, you know, for, uh, for Edge, for Edward. Um, you know, the main characters that you you played in Final Fantasy IV, the original one, or Final Fantasy II for the SNES. We might get into that later. So if you buy, the reason you want to buy these extra tales, though, is because when you complete them, it allows you to import that data into the, the final section of the game. So that way you keep all the levels and cool treasures that you gain. And you still pay 60 bucks. And Well, actually, it ends up being 30-some. Oh, I know. But I'm using square math. But like I said, it gives you, you know, additional characters, additional items, and all that stuff. So, like I said, it, while it looks like an old school game, it does have that new school aspect of, hey, here's downloadable content. So, you're not actually getting the full game, but if you want to get the full game, give us money! Yeah, well, I know we told you we, we just sold you a full game, but we lied. And I differentiate between... Downloadable content that you need to have to finish the game versus an expansion pack that adds on to the game but is not required. Yes. Those I'm okay with. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, if it's not necessary to finish the game, then it's not, at least it's not as bad. Because, uh, like I said, you don't really need it. Um, there was one game for the Xbox I really enjoyed Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. They did have downloadable content for that, but it was just one thing. It was just uh, like Yavin 4. And all you really did there was just a, a store that sold you some additional items you couldn't get anywhere else. So again, it was free though, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. It didn't it didn't really add anything to the game, um, but it was kind of nice anyway. All right, so where, where where do we start? Where's the beginning of this? Um, 
What would you consider the first video game RPG? That I've played or in the history of video games? See, there's one that I would say is, is to me, kind of the the ancestor of all of them, but it wasn't much of an RPG because there wasn't the capabilities to do what we now consider one were not there. And that was 1978's Adventure for the Atari 2600. Um, For those of you who remember it, you're you're probably hearing Strong Bad going, Somebody get this friggin' duck away from me! Um, Basically, yeah, you're a little square that's supposed to be the knight, and you, you... you have the yellow castle, and you need to unlock the yellow castle, get the sword that looks like an arrow, and kill the duck dragons, get the black key, go to the black castle, kill the other duck dragon, and get the, the, the shimmering cup, which is just, uh, you know, cycling through this color wheel available for the Atari 2600, and get it back to the yellow castle, unless you played numbers two and three out of the three choices in the game, because that's how the Atari worked, where they added in the foggy ma- uh, foggy forest maze, uh, where you could go to the White Castle, where the White Castle's where you got the Black Key, and there was another dragon, and that goddamn bat. <laughs> I hate that bat so much! You know, there's all these people on Facebook saying, oh, bats are so cute, we should be nice to the bats, and all I keep thinking is, I hate that son of a bitch, he's gonna steal my sword! Well, anyways, because uh, I don't... I think role-playing games tend Need to come out more for the <laughs> more for the computers before the home consoles. Because yeah. uh, I know you had things like Wizardry and yeah. Ultima that Zork came out. Magic. Yep. That Bard's Quest. Yep. That were the Bard's Tale. Oh yeah, Bard's yep, Tale. That were all available for the PC before they would jump to consoles. Not just now the PC. For, they'd be like for the Tandy. Yeah. And the Amiga. Now for me, I mean the, the Commodore sixty four. That was hot. Yes. Because <laughs> the first one for, like, if you're talking about the cartridge-based home systems, uh, for me, the first RPG would either be Final Fantasy or Dragon Warrior. Dragon Warrior. Dragon gotta, Warrior. You've got to go with Dragon Warrior. Dragon Quest, not that they've gone oh, back yeah, to the original. Japan. Oh, well, unless you count the, the, the AD&D game that came out for the Intellivision, or was it the yes. Atari? That was the Intellivision. Right. Intellivision. I don't think, though, again, it didn't have the capabilities. There weren't capabilities to do this kind of stuff until the era of the Sega Master System and the NES. Mm-hmm. The first three that really come to mind, and there are people who say Zelda, but... Zelda's it's, more of an action RPG. Yeah, it's yeah not, because it does, it's not turn-based, well, it doesn't I do a lot of... There isn't actual role-playing because there's no town in Zelda, you're just walking around on, on things killing. See, I always considered... I didn't. I never really considered the first Legend of Zelda to be an RPG or action RPG because uh, there's not an experience point system, which I think mm-hmm. that is one of the key elements for an RPG. There should be an experience system. So like you, if you look at Zelda Two, there is an experience point system. Oh no, no, Zelda Two was not an RPG. Zelda Two well, was an RPG. Yes, Zelda Two was an abomination. Yeah, it was abomination. I no no. I loved it all the way to the end. Once you once you tried to even get to Castle Seven or whatever the last one was, yeah, I I know maybe two people who who've beaten it without the use of the game genie. Yeah, there's and one, Dave's Dave. One of them. That's yep. it. You know, my 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 kid brother was the king of almost every NES game we had. He 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 never did it. So one of the things about well, when we do get to these uh, console based. Uh, RPGs from like the NES Sega Master System. One of the things that I don't know about you, but I personally noticed there's usually were a lot of cliches in them, and some of these I'm sure were you could make they were made for design game design purposes. Others I don't know why they would put it. Like one of the things, whenever you were in a like Final Fantasy top down perspective, I like where that. you're seeing people. Yep, I always like those more than the. Uh, more than the 3D perspective, because I always like got wizardry. Lo- yeah, I always got lost in the maze segments of wizardry and pool of radiance, but and fantasy star. Yeah, well, fantasy star wasn't as bad. No, fantasy star's oh, wait, 3D right. dungeons. They it was the same thing. It was overhead until you went into the dungeon areas. That's right. I was Shining of fantasy in the star too. Shining in the darkness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, but like one of the things, I get back to my, um, you know, what I was saying here. Whenever you're in the town, for some reason, they always made the exits to the town one character 
wide. And there was always that one stupid townsperson who would always block your way when you wanted to get out of the city. Am I the only one that's experienced that? Sometimes. No, I mean, I've, I, a lot of them, had, you get the three three uh, different, because I, I just kind of refer to them as like uh, pixel panels. It's because it's, you know, each, they basically used like these rubber stamp almost like things for, for, for these games. And it was always like three three dudes wide or two dudes wide. Sometimes it was one dude wide. Yeah. Especially when you were in a building and then you couldn't get out. And this, that has happened to me. Yeah. That is annoying as shit. And then, of course, speaking of towns, there's usually that one person who always just stands at that gate to the city saying, Welcome to our town! Yeah, wouldn't you hate to hate to actually be role-playing? And, Hi, welcome. Welcome to Cordaria. I gotta use the bathroom. Where's the toilet? Welcome to Cordaria. No, seriously, if you don't tell me where the toilet is, I'm gonna piss right here on your street. Welcome to Cordaria. You keep this up and I'm gonna piss on you. Welcome to Cordaria. Fine, we're pissing on him. What do you think of that? Welcome to Cordaria. I think this town's full of retards, guys. We gotta go. Welcome to Cordaria. (laughs) Yeah, and then, of course, another one of the cliches, which... And some of... Okay, if if you like... You know what internet humor? There's this one site, Project Apollo, Project Apollo dot net. Uh, go to like Yahoo or Google, look up the grand list of video role playing game cliches. Yeah, I've seen that. Yes, That's it's funny. hilarious. And there's one there that is, I think it's called like the the inverse law of spell uh, usefulness or something. Where again, you usually in these in these games, you do acquire spells that sound like they would be useful, like... The more sleep, useful it sounds, the instant, less useful it is. Exactly. Um, you know, spells like instant death or silence and sleep. Usually they... Well, they usually work on the weak enemies, but you can usually kill those enemies with one or two hits of your weapon. So why bother? They don't work on strong enemies. They never work on bosses. However, if someone casts one of those spells on you... You're gonna die. They work instantly. Or most of the time, anyway. And I'll, and I'll use one of those perfect example things. The original Final Fantasy, they had a mute spell. Mm-hmm. The only time I ever used it was when I was doing the little peninsula level up trick. And you oh, were yes, low the level. The peninsula of power. The peninsula of power. What was that with all of the, t- the, the giants? The giants and the T Rexes. But occasionally you would run into packs of like six to eight. Frost wolves. Yep. Yeah. And when you were low level, those breath weapons would tear you to pieces. But somehow, while this thing could breathe, it was considered a spell, so you could nuke them. Yep. Well, and the thing is, with the nine there, unless you used a spell, it was going to take you three to four rounds to kill them all off. So it was. It was worthwhile. (laughs) Especially, yeah, when you got a a large pack of, I think nine was the maximum number of enemies. So, yeah, I mean, if you have nine of those and all of them breathe on you, it's like, you're, yeah, you're, you're party's, party's host. host so. And then, yes, the dread, when you are low level, whenever you ran into the T-Rex, you're like, I gotta change my underwear. <laughs> run, 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 yep. run. And that's another thing that... Yeah, but they were like 7,000 experience. You kill oh, yeah. those things, you're going up a level. I was do. camping for them things but at yeah, one that's, point. That's another thing about it, some it, of these... In the early part of it, you went for the Zombles. Once, once you hit 20th level, you were out looking for T-Rex. Yeah. But one of the yep. things that that's one of the things that always bothered me about uh you know, some role play, video role playing games is yeah, they give you the run option, but nine out of ten times it either doesn't work or you have to go three or you know, it takes two or three rounds for it to work mm-hmm. and by then it's like, Well, what if I actually fought instead of running? But eh. It's I, it, they're all like the run options I believe are all based on an all uh, on a logarithm, so mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, again, original Final Fantasy, if you had a thief in your party, running was really easy. Yep. <laughs> you, you, all you had to do was wait for the thief's turn to come up, and you were probably gone. Yep. And then, of course, another thing that's always kind of a joke almost in a way is, uh, and again, the grand list of uh, RPGs, I think, made reference to this one, too. Usually the town that the heroes uh, start out in, yeah, usually, what do they sell? Daggers, clubs, leather armor, robes. It's like, come on. What, are all the people who can make swords and battle axes and plate mail somewhere else? But you telling me that the only place I can get a Hackmaster plus 12 is at the end of the game? Yes, of course. Wouldn't it be nice if you'd import that thing for me there, buddy? Yeah, I know. It's like, and I'm (laughs) sure, of course, that's a game design choice because 
I mean, even if you oh, did no. make that... Yeah, it totally is, and it makes sense, too, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, even if you did have powerful weapons available early on and made them really expensive, you know there could, there's some level-grinding player who's going to keep fighting enemies until he gets enough gold to buy that Towards Hackmaster plus 12. Game genie. Yes, or that, too. So, uh, and then, of course, once you... You know, better not make the mistake of accidentally selling your Hackmaster plus 12 to the shop merchant, because guess what? It's gone. Yep, because it's like, you swear something must have happened under the counter where, like, you know, okay, thank you, here's a 20 gold for that Hackmaster plus 12. And that then, you paid 70000 for. Yeah, and he gives it to his assistant, quick, sell this to someone else before. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of, yeah, a lot of times these games were cliched. But still, they were a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. um, but a lot of also difficult. A lot of that is based on the limitations of, especially then, the cartridge. Mm-hmm. You only had so much memory space available to you on a cartridge, so sometimes you really did have to hack and slash uh, code to fit things in. Yeah, that's why, like in Final Fantasy, Dragon Warrior, Fantasy Star, and a lot of these, you saw monsters that were just reskinned. You know, it was so much easier to just reskin an image. Yeah, recolor it up. Palette swap is the technical term. Yeah. Slime, red slime, metal Blue slime, slime, green slime, metal slime. Da, 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 da. Oh, sorry. Anyways, uh, so going back to the NES uh, system that all three of us have played no small amount, uh, what are some of the RPGs that you remember from that era that really stood out in your mind? Oh, I beat the living out of Dragon Warrior so many times it wasn't even funny. That game was awesome. Um, yeah, Dragon, Dragon Warrior 3, I never picked up 2. I have never two picked is, up 4, and I wish, I wish I could find a copy of 4. 4 is like, you want to get a copy of Dragon Warrior 4 now on cartridge for the NES, you're going to be paying $200. Yeah, Dragon... It, it was, it was, it, that was one of those games that was panned in its day. Yeah, and I don't know, Dragon Warrior, the first one, I remember enjoying it when I was a kid, but actually playing it nowadays on an emulator, I don't know, I think, if it's just me, the the style, you know, how, okay, you walk up to the stairs, I'm used to saying, okay, if you walk up to the stairs, you go down the stairs, not having to open up a menu, select stairs. And that changed with uh, number two. Okay. Um, Did they also change the thing where, like, with chess, where... Like in Final Fantasy, you can just walk up to a chest, press the A button, and open yes, it. Yes, yes, that okay. has changed too. Because that's one of the things that always annoyed me about Dragon Warriors. Okay, go up to the chest. Okay, open the menu. Okay. But that, <laughs> but that game was a real challenge. Mm-hmm. You, you would be fighting and trying to get, you know, get your your power enough so you could go into the ghost town of Hogsness to go and get yourself the Erdrich's armor, knowing that there is a armored knight that is guarding that. And you start you actually find a place where there are armored knights and you're like, okay, I am defeating them. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do this. You go into Hawksness, you get that armored knight. Then what you realize is that the armored knight that is guarding Erdrich's armor is more powerful than the <laughs> ones you meet in the field, and it still wipes your brains off of the walls. Not to mention the fact that Same they never with... told you that the armor was in Hawksness. Mm-hmm. You actually had to find that clue out. Well, yep. yeah, first you had to go to Garenham where you got a clue that you had to go all the way down to Cantlin, and then someone in Cantlin mentioned something about hawks' nests and trees, and then that's when you discover it, unless you're like us, who had the, the Nintendo Power. And, <laughs> and if you go over the map of hawks' nests, that is the only tree section in the whole city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another game that, you know, of course, talked a little bit about Final Fantasy and uh, that game always has fond memories for me because I got it as a birthday present. So, and of course, mm-hmm. with a lot of people, you know, birthdays usually bring fond memories. Yeah. And, Can I mention uh, one thing about Final Fantasy? Sure. Um, other than the, well, we know it kicks ass, but other than that. Well, the thing is, is that um, Square eventually they um, kicked up the graphical content and the, the 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 sound and everything moved them up a notch for the PSP release of Final Fantasy. Um, it plays more like a 16-bit game, oh, yeah. and one of the best things they did was you still have to buy your spell slots, but there are no more. You can only cast three eighth-level spells, two eighth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's it's it, it wasn't they, like they, D and D where no, you had... they they just put it. They just switched it now for the PSP version. It's magic points, so yep. you could cast holy five times. 
times instead yeah. of just the twice that it originally would allow you at best. Yeah, because I picked up that game. You had for, you had a you had a grind levels forever to get high level spells left, and it sucked. Yeah, because I picked up uh, uh, Final Fantasy Dawn of Souls for the Game Boy Advance, and yeah, that's where they have the remade version of of uh, number one and also mm-hmm. number two, mm-hmm. um, which you know. Number two was interesting. Are you familiar with Final Fantasy II? A little bit. The original one? No, really. No, no. One of the yeah. things that's different about it, you didn't have classes in the game, but your weapon skills and your spell skills, okay, like let's say you buy fire. Now, in a lot of the other Final Fantasy games, there was like fire one, fire two, etc. Well, in Final Fantasy II, you just bought a fire spell. The more you used it, the more powerful it got. Um... And you didn't have experience. You basically, your like weapon skills, your hit points and stuff, they all went up as you used them. So this sounds kind of strange, but the more damage you took, the faster your hit points increased. The more oh, so spells played, you cast. So played like Final Fantasy Legend for the Game Boy. Game. I haven't. I don't think I've played that one. That so. wasn't originally part of the Final Fantasy series. It, it was, was it ported was over and had the name slapped it on had it. The name slapped. But that was the same way, whereas mm-hmm. if, if you kept using weapons, you'd get better with the weapons. Yeah. If you kept using spells, you'd get better with the spells. And so um, it kind of defended or slotted out what you became. Yeah, and it was an interesting system, but from what I understand, it wasn't really as popular. Mm-hmm. But I did like how they remade it where it used the, the, the spell points instead of the mm-hmm. spell slots. Because, yeah, I mean, if you can beat Final Fantasy for the NES, the original version, without any cheats or hacks... Give yourself a medal. Well, that game was, it could be pretty difficult. Yeah, and you know what made it more difficult is, is there was one, yep. one spell, there was one save spot. You had to hit that continue game. There was one. So if somebody in your family decided they wanted to try it, accidentally hit save, guess what? You just lost yep. everything. Yeah, and another thing that was difficult about it, I if you wanted to save in the overworld, you had to have like a tent mm-hmm. or a cabin or a house. Where in you know later games, of course, you could just save without you go on having subscreen. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you know, and again, I think it, it, we really got spoiled with uh, later games how they introduced save points in the actual dungeons. You know, whereas in yeah Final Fantasy, you wanted to save, you either had to get out a, a tent or a shelter, or you had to truck it back to a town. Again, though, for the PSP, you didn't. And I think that was part of the requirements, because when you're playing a portable system, you're generally doing it to pass time. And if you're playing a role-playing game like that, you know, maybe you're sitting there in the doctor's office waiting for your name to be called. You're playing Final Fantasy. He says, next. You can't say, hey, Doc, hold on, man. i got to find a save point. So in that, you know, you save anywhere. Of course, when you were kids, you know, if your parents wanted, you know, it's dinner time. I can't. I'm in the middle of a dungeon, and i got to get so Oh, my dad would just turn it off on us. You're but, not now. And and even and there were some games that were even more restrictive than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to play Destiny with Emperor all the time. Yeah. And the only place you could save was at the actual spot. And there was an actual, like, shop-looking building that its sole purpose was to save your game. Well, it's the same as the Dragon Warrior games. You, 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 you saved, saved with the, you the saved king with for the, the king. first one, and then the later ones, it was at the temple. Yep. yep. So, uh, another one that I remember playing, uh, Wizardry. Which, uh, one of the stories I remember we had, uh, one of our jokes back in the day, see, with Wizardry, your characters actually aged, but it was very inconsistent at when you aged. Like, there were times where if you would sleep at the inn, all of a sudden, you know, the next day, be like, you have aged a year. There were, I remember, we, there was this Josh. That sucks. That, yeah. Yeah, your characters would age and eventually die. Because there was one char- one uh, guy we knew in high school and such, uh, named Josh, you know, his always joke was, why, I remember when I was your age about ten minutes ago. Because, <laughs> yeah, there were times mm-hmm. where, you know, you'd play, you'd, you know, you'd sleep at the inn, and then you'd sleep at the inn ten minutes later, you have aged a year. You or play some for spells enough. that you cast would age you, too. Yeah, and also I know one of the things in that game is you could change your class. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you change your class, you aged as well. Um, but I think that one was trying to, of course, simulate you know, your dungeon crawling, and it was a 3D maze. It did have some interesting things. Yeah, because, you know, thieves were helpful because you needed them to pick treasure, you know, traps. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, it had something where, like, if you fought an enemy enough times, you would would identify it right away. 
Uh, it would say, like, I, it's been a while since I played it, so I might be wrong here, but let's say you fought a lot of bandits. Um, if you haven't fought a bandit yet, it might just say a group of humans or humanoids. But then, you know, later it would say, okay, it's a group of bandits. Okay, I know what I'm up against. There, there were <laughs> the a couple. The one you didn't want to see was animals. You never <laughs> wanted to see animals. Why is that? Vorpal Bunny. Oh, okay. There was there was one game that um, from that era <laughs> that that actually did a good mix of like pretty much everything that you're talking about, and this was one of the first games I saw that really mixed um, traditional fantasy with science fiction elements. Before Final Fantasy games started doing it, mm-hmm. was the original um, Fantasy Star for the Sega Master System. There were like it was actually uh, you know different planets. You took spaceships off to the different planets. Some of the cities were up on these platforms with these, you know, the egg houses and all that yeah. other weird stuff. That game was a bear. Um, and, and, and part of it was the fact that I, yeah, I kept getting lost in the 3D dungeons. Yeah, because I know Wizard, that's the thing, one thing I didn't like about Wizardry, and I was glad when we got the strategy guide for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because Steve and I, we played that game a lot, and both of us had the guide, which, actually, no, I think he just had the guide and I just borrowed it. And it, you, again, you almost needed it because... It had the maps. Yes. Swords Unless and serpents. You made your own. Oh, Swords and serpents. <laughs> okay, this game. Let me tell you something. Too. There, what was it? Uh, Sixteen levels, something 16 like that. Sixteen levels deep. And the and thing oh is, my God, it was just that game it was just a huge dungeon crawl. You had four characters. It was just a straight on dungeon crawl. Kill everything. Get to the bottom. One of the reasons it was hard. It, first off, it had that three D thing, but it at least gave you while you were running around. A, a two-dimensional map in the corner that you could use to navigate. The reason this game was as difficult as it was was because if you wanted to end the game, you would hit save. And what it did was it didn't actually have a battery. You hit save, and it would generate five different horribly long random passcodes. One for each character one for, and, and one, for one for the game, for the game overall. Yeah. So... That you, must have been a it, nightmare. 20 minutes half the time was just spent writing down the passcodes. And, and the reason I say it was 20 minutes is because, you know, there, there were like you, 40 had to, passcodes. you had to write it down slowly and make sure that you were very, 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 very finicky with your handwriting. Because if you went back in two days it later, had, it had capital and, and, and you look at it and you go, wait, did I write that? Is that supposed to be a uppercase a I or a lowercase L? Oh, yeah. no. Oh, and know. you would write that down, but and you would, and then when you'd go back, it was enter in uh, passcode one, passcode two, passcode three, passcode four, final passcode. If you messed up one letter, it was failed. Start over. Oh, that. But would but suck. the thing was, is when you saved, it would put you back exactly where, where you, you left were. off. So at least it was that. Then it had that Boris Vallejo cover on it. Oh, Boris. I thought he did it because yeah, it's like all, aren't all the characters like muscular. Uh, it was corny, cloths, yeah. just like Boris Vallejo's artwork. It was yes, corny. Well, but, and that's I, I remember a maze from that game where you walked in. Oh yeah. And the first thing was that you saw a sign on the wall that said "Never do anything right," mm-hmm. and the, that was the clue that the first thing you were supposed to do walking in that maze was turn left. <laughs> what happened if you turned right? If you turned right, you ended up in this just like trap fest. You're probably gonna lose your whole damn party, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it would kick you out eventually, and you'd have to walk back to the beginning of the maze and start again. Oh, geez. So yeah, you turn another... left, walk through a secret door, walk along the passage, and then you would come up and it would say, remember, never do anything right, and you would have to turn left again. Yep. The other one that was just impossible. Dave, Dave, Dave has beaten it. I've beaten it. I think you may have. I don't remember. L. Um, Shadowgate. No, oh. I haven't. I've never, I've never beaten that game. Shadowgate is so. Shadowgate's not hard. It's evil. You know, you'd be sitting there, and you, you say, "You're going to be an option. Open door. Go left. Go right. Okay, I go left. You die." Yeah, Shadowgate was <laughs> I remember brutal. It took Twenty minutes to get past the first door for some people. You well, I don't know. Die. I don't know you if uh, Shadowgate was necessarily an RPG, but more of a puzzle game. It was a. It was. I consider that one an RPG. I did too. Yeah, and, and it was just. Evil. Oh yes. look! There, oh look! There's a flute in the water. I should grab it. Oh, that water's really acid. Yeah. You die. And, you die. And of course, we did see um, one thing. I was kind of surprising. You know, we and I did an entire show about Dungeons and Dragons video games. 
Um, there's only two of them that I would really truly consider role-playing games, and one of those is in question. Now, first there's Pool of Radiance, which, Dave, I know you've played Pool of Radiance. Uh, Dan, have you? Or I think I may have a long, 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 well, long, long time ago. And again, I'm, I'm just going to talk about it briefly because I already talked more, you know, a lot about it, but um, again, really captured. It didn't necessarily follow some of the rules from first edition, like you could have a fighter mage that was casting spells while wearing plate mail and using a shield, but it was 3D mazes, but one of the nice things is in most areas you could switch to an overhead view. Yeah, didn't it do that for combat? Um, well, no, yeah, I'm talking to actually show an overview map. But yeah, yeah. When, it, when you went into combat, it was cool because it sh- took you to a battlefield that was an approximation of where you were. Yeah, it was kind of that 2.5D style yeah. like Diablo. And you I had your little that, characters yeah. you had to move around, and again, you had to be careful because like, if you're going to cast a fireball or sleep or any other area of effect spell, you had to be careful that you didn't accidentally hit one of your uh, comrades. Well, and that was made by TSR's first company that they were working with for um, video games, SSI. Yep. Um, and like and I like, usually did a good job. They did okay with a lot of stuff, um, but again, they were working with the limitations of yeah. the cartridge. Yeah, and and then there was Hillsfar, which I'm not sure if I truly consider it an RPG. I said because most of it was just running around picking locks, and I, I know I mentioned this a little bit in my cast, and then also yours. Um, and when I, I was did a guest appearance on Radio Free Borderlands, and I just never got into it because it was just so tedious, mm-hmm. and quite honestly, just wasn't a lot of fun. Now, Ultima, though, we did actually get three different Ultima games for the NES. Uh, Quest for the Avatar. Yep, Ultima Exodus, Quest for the Avatar, and Warriors of Destiny. Yeah. Which I never I've, played Warriors of Destiny. Shannon has the other two. Shannon has Ultima Exodus and Quest for the Avatar. She had them growing up on her NES, and she can. I've never played them, but I've watched her play them, and she just rips right through them. Yeah, I've, expert. Because uh, I've played Exodus and Quest of the Avatar. Um, one thing I like about Exodus is you could choose your own party, and I think you could have multiple characters in there. Um, so you, you get you can only have I think four people in your party at once, but you could make like I don't know, like ten or fifteen characters, whatever. You just couldn't have them all in at once. Um, I like the little questionnaire in Quest of the Avatar that started yes. that would pick your class. And then, another thing about Quest of the Avatar I liked is uh, that one you did actually change where you started based on you know what your character was. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that was really kind of cool about it is it forced you to play like a hero. Because for some reason all the shopkeepers in this game are blind. Or I think well, I know the herbal ones because you had spell components you had to use. A lot of them were blind, and you know, um, so it's like, okay, you know, it's gonna come out to ten gold. Please count it out. Yeah. And of course, you could, you know, give them say eight or nine or one or two gold. But by doing so, well, you hey, know, honesty was a virtue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and of course, if you ran, one of the things you had to be careful was like, okay, honesty. The mage was the one that represented honesty. So if your honesty virtue got really low, and then when you try, if you took your mage out of the party, she wouldn't rejoin you until you got your honesty back up again. And oh, go ahead. Oh no. Okay. Um. Well, it's just the first. I'll be honest with you. The first Ultima game I ever played was over at Ed's house when I was probably junior, senior in high school. This has been late '93, '94. Um, but it was a fun game. Uh, it was Ultima Underdark for the PC. And one of the things after seeing some of the games that Shannon was playing and remembering that Ultima Underdark over at Ed's house was, those games were really kind of depressingly dark. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, actually one thing, because I, I remember you know, this friend of ours, Ed, we used to have, I remember seeing him play uh, Quest of the Avatar on yeah. computer, and it's amazing how, I mean, the NES had much better graphics than the PC version, and you know, usually we're used to PC games having better graphics than NES, but this was one of those rare situations where the NES actually mm-hmm. did really had a lot better. And speaking of him and his place, one of the other games we used to play a lot, and we, we would kind of like basically we would kind of act as like three or four of us would be over at his place and and play this game as like a party role playing type thing. We would play. Um, I don't remember if it was Might and Magic 3. No, it was number 4. Might and Magic 4, Clouds of Zine. Man, that was a fun game. 
Yeah, and I remember they did have Might and Magic for the NES, and yes. I used to have it. What did you it, think of it? It sucked. I mean, the control system just didn't work. Even trying to to equip your characters with you know uh, with weapons and stuff was a chore. Mm-hmm. So the graphics were pretty good for the time, but the game itself just wasn't very fun. Right. Here's a question, and this is going to be an opinion, and maybe the re- for what we've defined as you know earlier RPGs, 8-bit Nintendo, Super Nintendo. Which one did you feel was the most difficult? Well, probably one of the most difficult ones I've is one that I was actually playing when you guys got here, uh, Earthbound, uh, for the Super Nintendo. I downloaded it for my Wii U Virtual Console, um, and I'm surprised at how difficult that is so far, because uh, yeah, you just keep getting your butt handed to you, but it's still an interesting game because it again it takes place in the modern age. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, for example, you, you had ATMs you got to, to withdraw your money. And when you wanted to save your game, you had to go to a phone and call your dad, and he would create a record of your, uh, of your adventure so far. But one thing I thought that was kind of interesting, and this isn't unique. There's a lot of other games that have done this where you see the enemies walking around on the screen. But in Earthbound, how you come in contact with that sprite representing the enemy determines whether you get first strike or whether you get surprised or whether it's mm-hmm. you know a tie basically uh if an enemy approaches you from behind well then they surprise you so i know it's like i said it's surprisingly difficult for <laughs> um it a lot harder than i expected fantasy star and i'm gonna tell you why fantasy star um and it's not just that 3d thing i was talking about i could get past that if i would have played it enough um, one of the reasons I consider it the most difficult that I've played is because, unlike a lot of these other ones, it didn't hand you any plot <laughs> at the beginning. It was, here you are! Okay, Don't what's get the story? What am I supposed to be doing? There was nothing. So it was like, when you started that game, you'd be like, what, what am I supposed to do? You'd go into the town, and you really wouldn't get that much information either. It, it was just disturbingly frustrating, because it was like, okay, where's the plot? What's the story here? Yeah, and that's one thing that can be difficult with any RPG, is when they don't really give you much direction um, as to where you're supposed to go next. I mean, I I know some people like that sandbox feel, mm-hmm. um, but when you have linear-type games where... You have to accomplish A before you can move on to B, and you have to accomplish B before you can move on to C. If you get, you know, if you get lost, or let's say you play the game and then don't get to play it for a few days, yeah, you forget what you were doing last, and you're like, okay, gotta want, walk around and talk to people until I uh, remember what I'm supposed but to here, do. But here's the difference: if you look at the original Dragon Warrior, and the original Dragon Warrior was a challenge. If you did not go in there with the proper level, you were getting your brains handed back to you in a doggy bag. At least in that one, the king would be like, Hi, you are the hero. There's a castle on the other side of this uh, ocean. You're going to be able to see it. That's where the dragon lord lives. We kill hate him. him. Go kill him. So there's something. Okay, you know that the overall final thing is, I gotta go to Castle Sherlock, kill the dragon lord. Fantasy Star. Boom, I'm in the middle of a field. There's a town over there. That's it. <laughs> what? What? And it didn't help that half the time the master system, with the way that the power button worked, it it, yeah. it flub out on you every once in a while. So, uh, since you brought up this question, Dave, uh, what what's a exceptionally difficult or harder than expected RPG from this era that you remember? The Seventh Saga. Heard of it? Haven't to played it. it. <laughs> you were one. You picked one of seven characters. Okay. And they each had their own like particular strengths, weaknesses, and the idea was that you were supposed to gather these seven runes. And whoever got them was going to be like this all-powerful godlike champion or whatever. The difference between it is, one, all the characters that you could be appeared at some point. More often than not, you'd have to fight them. And if you had to fight them and you lost, they were going to take any runes you had. Oh, no. <laughs> so, if, so if you'd gotten all six and you had to fight somebody else for the last one, you had that... You, could, you had a small radar, 
instead of um, random encounters, they had a small radar, and all the enemies would would start heading towards you. You could dance and dodge around them for a little while, but eventually you'd run into them. It was stupid hard. He stole my Pokemon. So, um, but and and like Fantasy Star, there yeah. was not much direction. So when you talked about Seventh Guess, which I believe that was for the Super Nintendo. No, no, Seventh Saga. Saga. Seventh Seventh Guess, Guess was, was a computer. That was um, a fun game. That was all that puzzles. Was but so in my opinion. And I don't know if uh, it's just me, but the 16-bit era, I think, in a way, was the golden age of the console RPG. Oh, I, I'd argue 16. I'd, I'd go 8, 16, 32, but that's another story for another time. But Yeah, I mean, the but there were a lot. I think we can all agree there were a lot of really awesome role-playing games released during the 16-bit era. Um, again, Final Fantasy 2 and Final Fantasy 3 for the Super Nintendo. 3 is still my favorite. Yep. I am so sick of listening to people tell me why the only Final Fantasy game that should ever matter is Final Fantasy 7. I want to kick those people in the nutsack because 3, which is what now it's referred to as 6, I, I really I thought it was the best. It was the most engrossing story. Um, it had a good challenge to it. Brachiosaurus. Yeah. And yes. you know you, you you became attached to the characters. Yeah, and let's, uh, Final Fantasy VII didn't really do that for and me. Of course, another thing that was I really liked about Final Fantasy III the music. I mm-hmm. mean, it has one of the best. And well, the, all the Final Fantasy games I've played have all had really good music. Two was pretty good too yes. in that sense. The opera scene. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. And speaking of really awesome soundtracks, one game I remember from this time because it was the. Second or third video game I bought. Oh, I remember sitting in your basement playing this, and we were just going, Mystic "Oh my Quest, god!" Final Fantasy. Mystic oh, Quest. I thought you were going to talk about Act Razor Two. No, that because I got that later. did have some pretty awesome yes, music Act, in there. Act Razor Two had awesome. Music. It wasn't really an RPG per no, se, it but it was an action. It, yeah, it would be called action RPG. Yeah, but it was still pretty cool. Well, but um, like I said, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. I know it gets. I think it gets a lot more hate than it deserves. That's another one of those First, where you know where the bad guys are. <laughs> yeah. But they don't move. But one of the things that I really... The music in that game, it's freaking metal. It Well, in a lot of the areas, it is awesome. Especially, uh, like, the music in the last tower stage and mm-hmm. the final battle and just the general battle music. And there's two types of music for any role-playing game. Because, let's face it, music in role-playing games is extremely important because it helps set the mood. Um now, when you're talking about Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, um, the I lost my train of thought. I'm oh just, yes, you're talking about music, and I'm just thinking about in Final Fantasy III on the soundtrack. It's it's titled as question mark question mark. It's for all yep. of the weird ass characters. It's just <laughs> yep. It's like what the oh, now I remember what I was going to say because there's two types of music that any video role playing game should have really good music for. First is the overworld field music. Yeah, because you're going to have to listen to it most. Yes, and second is the battle music. The second most. Yeah, if I have to walk around in circles for 20 hours to get enough level, you know, XP, so I have enough levels to beat the next boss, I at least want to have some good music. And Final Fantasy Mystic Quest did have some really good music. Yeah, you you could make the world's greatest game, but if, if, if the whole time I'm... Listening to it, all I hear is... It's all about the bass, about the bass. <laughs> Guess what? You're getting a one rating from me, and I might just smash your disc. So, Dave, some of the... Any... Uh, we're going to say something about Final Fantasy, or... A different game. Mm-hmm. And it was more of a strategy RPG. Um, it's it's more... It's better known... Um, only one title out of, like, eight games ever got localized for North America. Um... The was called Der Langrisser. In America, it got localized as Warsong. I haven't the, heard of that one. It's an old Genesis one. It was 91. The music is just boom. It, it hits you. The effects are cool. great. An enemy dies, you hear the scream. <laughs> Literally. You see, you hear mm-hmm. the scream. The, the Genesis isn't known for its RPGs, but yep. there were a lot of them in there that should have gotten more credit. They did have Fantasy every Star, time, which... Every time I play that game, I have a new chasm. Fantasy Stars 2, 3, and 4 came out for the Genesis, and most of those had the same problems as Fantasy Star 1, which really disappoints me. Um, but there was... Uh, oh, and Shining Force, Shining in the Darkness, those were good. 
but I there was the there was one that um, we had a Genesis also, and my uh, my brother picked it up just out of a whim. He's like, "Oh, this might be pretty good," and he and I played the hell out of it. It was just that good. It was a RPG called Crusader of Senti. Good luck trying to find it. Um, because that game is about as expensive as trying to buy the original Fantasy Star yeah. at this point. But it had a really interesting plotline where at one point, uh, the only people that you could talk, the only things you could talk to were the animals and monsters. And you started to see things from their perspective. And all of this other really crazy stuff. Holy cow, it was fun. If you can find it on an emulator, I highly recommend Crusader of Senti, C-E-N-T-Y. And of course, another another game that if you want to get the original version, you know, and you don't because you don't have it, and if you enjoy playing, you know, paying a hundred dollars or more for a video game, Chrono Trigger. Mm -hmm. Huh. That, oh, that's, if that's one. Of, if that's not one of the best games ever uh, made. Period. Not just for RPGs, but overall, because they they literally had a dream team. Oh yeah, for they that had game. some big names. I remember reading an article about that where. You know, Davey, I mentioned the Dream Team because they had some of the best RPG people in the industry, you know, working on that game. And the final product was, <laughs> and and people couldn't get enough of that game. While oh yeah, it, was, it, it, it awesome. really deserved every accolade it got. And awesome yeah. music. It's, it had a lot of replayability because um, I know there were multiple endings. Plus. Two two other ones that I want to mention. Uh, they they game wise started to venture more towards that action RPG Zelda style, but I, I still consider them RPGs, and they were very good games to play. Crystallis? Uh, well, no. Oh, we should have well, mentioned Crystallis. I really think we should have. Crystallis but for the NES is an awesome game. That, 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 was, that yes. was the first one that came But these are both SNES games. Okay. Um, Secret of Mana and Illusion, oh, yeah. Illusion of Gaia. Yeah, I played uh, Secret of Mana, and that was a good game. Soul Blazer. Um, yeah, yeah, you borrowed my yes, version borrow of the you. game, and he's like, I want to play it again, is it cool? And I'm like, I am playing it, go for it. <laughs> you had it for like three years, and I was okay with it. Because I, didn't, it was like, I don't think I had it that Oh, long. yeah, you, you did. And, and, and I was okay with it, because you were having fun with it. That's good. But that was a good game. Nothing kick. wrong with that, good dude. Good music, and it was, it was just a really fun game. Mm -hmm. um, Besides, see, you returned it, unlike yes. somebody with your copy of Final Fantasy II. Yes. We'll we were not getting that. into that. Um, Shadowrun was another one where, again, it bordered on oh, yeah. action RPG. I forgot they made the Shadowrun um, game. And I know they had NES and Genesis versions, which, from what I understand, the, the Genesis one is supposed to be closer to the rules. Yes. I haven't played the Genesis one, but um, I had a lot of fun with the Super Nintendo one. Never beat it, but I still had a lot of fun with it. Because um, I thought it, the music and the graphics really just set this dark, gritty atmosphere perfectly. Here's one that didn't have a dark and gritty attitude, but it was very popular at the time, and sometimes I look at it and I go, why? Super Mario RPG, released at the end of the SNES. Did you guys ever play that one? I've seen you play it. I played it. I, I could only get about halfway through it before I, to be perfectly honest, got bored with it, but that's didn't, just me. Didn't your wife really I think She finished it. She I'm finished sure it. she did. Yeah, because uh, like I said, I've seen it, and I, I thought I think one of the things that maybe turns some people off is because when we think Mario, at least at this time, we're used to side-scrolling platformers. So when you take a character like Mario and put him into it, an environment that you're not familiar, it's that you don't normally see him in. I guess imagine taking like uh, Master Chief from uh, Halo, mm -hmm. you know, put him in a a side-scrolling fighting game, um, or a beat-em-up, like, uh, Final Fight. Or a puzzle game. Or, a, yes, or a puzzle game. <laughs> yeah, I, I can just see that Master Chief Candy Crush. Master Chief's Tetris. <laughs> Candy Crush, Master Chief Edition. If you, if you match three things, Master Chief will shoot them. <laughs> or Doom uh, Candy Crush, match three things, you oh, get the BFG. Yeah. No, never mind. An another, another series that deserves mention. And it's it's spread out through the early systems, um, and was still spawning sequels into the PlayStation years. Was Breath of Fire? Oh, oh I yeah, I played the first one. Awesome the, game. Wasn't the first one a com a, a combo production between Capcom and Square? I I don't know. I think no. Cap something like that. Um, I don't I don't think Square Capcom was owns it. Owns it. There's, Capcom owns it, but I don't think Square was involved. There's one thing about Breath of Fire that really annoyed me. Hmm. 
with most, you only saw this during boss battles and the tougher enemies. It showed your a life bar of how much HP your enemy had left. There were a lot of some enemies where, and especially with bosses, once you got them down to the zero mark, you still had to hit them like five or six times before they died. And I think mm -hmm. the final boss, you actually had to hit it like 16 or 17 times before it finally died. But other uh, than that, yeah, Breath of when Fire. I, when I played Breath of Fire 3, Grand was PlayStation, was it all the bosses, they'd have the life bar, but it would be empty and have a big question mark in it. Uh, so you wouldn't know how much health it had left, but damn, that game was fun. Well, was. there Final, were some... Besides, hey, you can turn into a freaking dragon. How cool is that? <laughs> there were some games that I'd consider part of the classic era that did move into the that 32-bit era. Panzer Dragoon Saga from the Saturn. Um... This one had a bit of a uh, a bit of a tactics feel to it, but uh, Vandal Hearts. Oh. Vandal Hearts was a hot game, and the what thing about Vandal Hearts was, unlike a lot of your other tactics games and things like that, this game did not have random battles. Much like your your actual tabletop gaming, every battle that you fought in that game was scripted, and you were supposed to be in it. and And they told you, "Here's what you have to do." That game was a real challenge. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Um, I, I remember the level on the train where you're, you're oh, lordy, lordy, your lordy. ass down that train because you – and there was a boss at the far end, but you were hauling ass down the train because and fighting the whole way because every, like, few turns, one of the cars would detach and any characters were still in the car were, bye-bye. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that, that's cool that mm -hmm. when you do have a game where they make it where, you know, again, you don't have – because I know that's one thing that some people don't like about – uh, role-playing video games, they're not for the casual gamer. They mm -hmm. require a bit of dedication, and I know some people don't like the, again, walk around in circles for 20 mm -hmm. hours so you can get an the, the, levels. The closest thing to level grinding that you would have had to do in Vandal Hearts was, you know, there were a couple of them where the, you know, your end goal to beat this combat was to get X and Y and Z out of the area level grinding and that one would have been killing everything first. Yeah. Um, yeah and then Final was... Fantasy Tactics was a very good game. That game was spectacular. Um, that came out pretty around the same time as FF7 and I gotta be honest with you, I thought Tactics was a better game out of the two of them but that again was just me. I know I'm gonna get hate for that. The, the difference between the Dan two. Dan at RadioFreeBorderlands.com Nah, send him a shit. The craziest part about Tactics versus seven was tactics if you got yourself squared up just right you would quite literally stomp all over everything yeah there were a couple of classes that if you used them yeah. granted and it's, mm -hmm. it's not as if whacking Sephiroth before you could even act was a possibility because it was it, it, now, i know we're getting off topic because again we're trying because uh, again we're getting the playstation but we but, mentioned yeah. seth roth and final fantasy 7 mm -hmm. i remember i think it was either you or your brother playing it dan mm -hmm. and yeah seth roth didn't he have that like that that attack where he literally like summons a comet or something Supernova. from outer space yeah it goes through the solar system destroys a bunch of planets hits the sun and yeah. then hits you <laughs> and then there's knights of the round um, oh that summon that takes like Two minutes. Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is one of the reasons I would consider PS1 games part of the classic era is because they were the last of them before the complete switch over to 3D polygons. Uh, these were there were still some sprite games. Um, a lot of the the JRPGs that came out at that time, like Lunar, Lunar Two, uh, the Wild Arms, oh, Wild Arms One and Wild, Wild Arms Two, which were a great combination. It was a Jap Japanese R or JRPG. But it had a nice, um, almost like cowboy western feel to it at the same time. Uh, it, was really, it had a really cool intro. I remember yeah. the, oh, yeah. uh, the intro music to that. With the Sweet Coden. Cool. Day, Day, one of Dave's Wait. favorites. Yes, it is. Um, Vanguard Bandits. Mm -hmm. So, well, we've gotten to about an hour here, so I think it's time to close this one. Uh, like I said, uh, I'd like to thank you guys for uh, yeah. you know, helping me out with these episodes because. Uh, we actually recorded this one and the one on LARPing on the same day. Um, so, again, thank like to thank uh, Dan and Dave mm -hmm. from Radio Free Borderlands for hey, joining us. Thanks again, for having us. You're welcome. And um, go find copies of Crusader of Senti if you still have a working uh, 
and Sega Genesis. And Coden 2. I'll pay you for it. Chrono Trigger. If you haven't played it, but you have a Wii, it is available if for you, Wii Virtual Console. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you, have go buy, uh, you don't have to go buy, you don't have to go spend $200 on eBay. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay, I want to check it out. See, I, still, yeah, I don't have a Wii U, I just console. have the regular Wii, so i got to see what's even still available on their Virtual Console, or but if, one of the they, nice if they ended it. A, if you do have a Wii and a Wii U, mm-hmm. you can transfer your purchases from the Wii to the Wii U, but oh, if you hot. do that... You can't um, play them on the yeah, other one anymore. The My thing is, is I sh- as long as I can get virtual console games still for the old system, if it still works, I haven't tried it because yeah, sure. my son has been on Skylanders for the past few <coughs> years, so I don't get so, to touch the damn thing. Well, thanks again for joining us for this long episode of uh, uh, Radio Free Borderlands slash Geekery in general. What, um, Radio Free in general, uh, Radio Geekery, Free Geekery. Border- Geekery Borderlands. Oh, we just we just hijacked his feet. Okay. Well, thanks. So again, check out uh, Radio Free Borderlands on uh, iTunes. Um, you know, visit uh, both Radio Free Borderlands and Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook. Like us. Uh, tell us. Tell your friends. Uh, leave positive reviews. Yeah, seriously. I, sorry to interrupt, Al, but I will tell you guys this. Yeah, go go on go on the, the iTunes page for this show. Throw him a five star rating. Um, those do add up. They move move a, uh, his show, and if you do that for us, it moves us all up in the ranks so that you know we get more exposure. Spoiled. And so it's not all all shows done by professional comedians and stuff. All, although Nerd Poker is a really good show. Yes. So, uh, thanks again for joining us on Geekery of General. Uh, have a good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming.